It's time to wake up, recover from last night's mess, and get your fix of sports caffeine. It's time to kickstart your day with the latest sports news and opinions. Get ready. Sports Caffeine is live in three, two, one. And welcome, everybody, to Live in the Mornings with Sports Caffeine. I'm one of your hosts, L. Bushman. Oh, happy Friday to everybody out there. Hope everybody doing is doing well before the weekend. I have a kind of a late start to this morning. My daughter was fortunate enough to wake me up at 2 a.m., so uh, I'm, I'm kind of tired, kind of hungry, haven't eaten breakfast yet, but uh, that's okay. We've got a great show for everybody today. Chris Torello from Spectrum Sports uh, 360 joins us in just a couple minutes. We also have Ryan Davini from the Casuals MMA podcast to come on board in a little bit to talk about Fight Island. Mortal Kombat is happening, uh, UFC 250. 51 is happening tomorrow with a stack card. So he'll be going through uh, UFC 251 with us just uh, in a little bit. So uh, I'll bring in my co-host working from his mother-in-law's house. It is Nick Waycaster with his son. Nick, what's going on? Good morning to you. How are you? Pretty good, man. Just uh, babysitter's AWOL. So hopefully she's all right. But uh, yeah, so I've got a co-host as well. We got a little Mac there here. There you go. There you go. What's up, Matt? Good morning to you. And, of course, uh, he's been filling in all week for us. He is intern Tony from the JP Show. Intern Tony, what's going on, buddy? Pleasure to be here again. Yeah, man. You've been filling in You've been filling in very nicely. You're almost like a pseudo-Kristen. We just need to get you a blonde wig and and, and stuff. Yeah, so. and, 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 so, and, yeah and, and way better looks, right? Lovely thing. Just, I don't know, man. Maybe a slightly. I don't, I don't know about that. So, of course, it's Sports Caffeine. You can find us on Facebook at Sports Caffeine and also on Twitter at Sports Caffeine One. You can stream us live on fanstreamsports.com and also download the app as well, which you can find many of the podcasts that are on there, like Set the Sales Podcast, The Casuals MMA, On the Clock, Locked On Rays, and The Blitz Breakdown. And you, of course, you can stream us on Spotify, Our Heart Radio, and iTunes. So, we're going to get things started. He is uh, one of the anchors on. Spectrum Sports 360. Please welcome to the show, Chris Torello. Chris, what's going on, man? Welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, guys. How are we doing? Thanks for having me. No, thanks for coming on board, man. Uh, so I want to get right to it. You know, baseball is is back almost in full effect. We've got games uh, scheduled for later this month. The Rays have been having simulated games this past week, and, and the Rays batters have really uh, you know figured out that they've got one of the best pitching rotations in, in baseball. But <clears throat> I, w- I want to get your thoughts, Chris. You know, expectations for this year. Buster only has picked the Rays to win the World Series in this six, 60 game season. So, what what are your thoughts? What are the expectations for the Rays going into this this abbreviated season this year for 2020? Yeah, Buster only also said five percent chance we get to July 24th for a season, and zero percent we actually finish. So, I'm not going to really <laughs> listen to Buster only, but um, you know, he's a smart guy, no doubt. But uh, you know, I, I think. Listen, Stu Sternberg was speaking the other day, and he said, you know, there's still a lot of reason for optimism. I think one thing about Stu Sternberg that has rubbed people the wrong way, and what's funny is today is the two-year anniversary of when they unveiled their Ybor City plans. And I have the ball sitting at my desk at Spectrum Bay News 9 that has the paint 7, 10, 18. And uh, we all knew when they unveiled that they weren't going to be able to afford it. We knew that the Hillsborough County was in way too deep. Um... And we knew Mayor Kreisman wasn't going to do it, and he's my boy. I love him. 
Um, so, I mean, you know, just for him, stand, his stance on this issue, I like the fact that he's saying, hey, you got an 86-acre lot here. You can do what you want with it. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think Stu Sternberg, with the financial side of things, with Montreal, you wouldn't expect him to be that type of guy that's like, hey, like, to heck with the money. Let's go win 60 games. And, you know, he's very excited. I think because he said it, you know, look at what Eric Neander has built. Look at what Heim Bloom, who is going to be a huge loss going to the Red Sox, They've been able to get international talent. They've been able to use their draft spots really well. And you see that with Wander Franco, Shane McClanahan. You've got Joe Ryan. Uh, they're all sitting there on that 30-man taxi squad. So, you know, they've got a lot of young people. They are built for 2020, for 2021. So, you know, I think for, for Stu and for Kevin Cash and that whole entire front office and coaching staff, this is what they're made for. So now it's a 60-game sprint instead of 162 games. But remember, Last year they had to go without Glasnow. They had to go without Snell, and they still won a lot of games. So right. everyone's healthy, everyone's eager, and you know, looks like starters are going to go about four or five innings when we do get back. So you know, I think they're right where they need to be. But again, you can't have a bad start, and mm -hmm. anyone can have a good start. We've seen bad teams that end up winning just sixty games in a regular season start off ten and one. So. That's how important a start is. So the Rays are going to have to start off hot. I think it's good they start off at home. They don't have to go too far afterwards. Um, but, yeah, they're excited, and I think they know they have a lot to prove because even in a shortened season, they don't want last year to be a fluke. Are there any guys on the squad that have a lot to prove this year? I know Blake Snell is coming mm -hmm. off of a really down season last year. Are there any other guys that besides him have really a lot to prove in this abbreviated season this year? Yeah, I kind of highlighted him back in the original spring training um, back in March. Mike Zanino, he's a Florida Gator, uh, you know, really good guy. Um, he really knows how to catch. I mean, this guy reads every pitcher, sees the ball really well going into the glove. Um, you know, can work can work a pitcher right out of a little slump, little funk. And um, so this year, they're hoping he kind of gets on his bat, get him going again. You know, he hit pretty well when he was in Seattle. Nothing spectacular, but if you remember, look at what happened last year. You know, Zanino goes down with an injury. And it's Darno who got bounced around the year before the two years before that it was Wilson Ramos. I mean, they took a guy who was an all-star who tore his ACL and they brought him in. They basically paid him not to play for a season and Buffalo went off and those two contracts turned into millions of dollars with other teams. And that's what the Rays do. They take you for the cheap and then they flip you for double or you know triple your profit and they just send you on your merry way. So, you know, Kevin Cash told and Kevin Cash, remember being a catcher, he understands that. And he told me, you know, this is exactly what we want. We want a guy who's hungry, has something to prove. And I think you're going to see Mike Zanino doing well. But yeah, I agree with you. Blake Snell's kind of got to get back on track. Lord knows he's um, he's added uh, Scott Boris as his agent. So that means he might as well call him former uh, Rays ace Blake Snell because he's not going to be here long term. And uh, But Charlie Morton also doesn't want to go out. He wants to be back in 2021 and he's got those contract clauses. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Yeah, you know, Zanino, he he really needs to pick up the bat because last year he stunk it up. And mm -hmm. I'm glad that you brought up the, the Buffalo. I, I miss Wilson Ramos and, and Travis D'Arno. Um, do you will will Zanino really get back to that form like he was in Seattle, or do you think Michael Perez can maybe jump him and be the starter for the everyday everyday well, guy? Well, I think the the fun part about a season like this is they're not gonna have time to sit there and say, Oh, we'll see what these next ten games are. You know, they don't have that. You have to be willing to say, okay, we've got a couple of guys, you know, in Port Charlotte or a guy on the on the roster here that we can just, you know, bring with us and 
You know, so I think you're going to see younger guys get their chance if for nothing else, because it's not just injuries this year. It's a COVID-19 positive test. I think Major League Baseball has done a wonderful job. I mean, it was I think yielding after the July 4th fiasco um, with lab results and everything. I think it yielded a 1.8 positive. That's incredible. Um, so I think baseball's done a really good job. But remember, everyone's been isolated. So now you're asking these players to get on buses, to get on planes, to go into hotels, and then go back home. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. Certainly you're going to see someone miss a start because of COVID. Um, and so I think you're going to need those guys. You're almost going to want those guys to be ready to step up um, no matter who it is. So, but yeah, I think Perez has a, has a chance. They've got a couple other catchers that might surprise as well, just because of the way their deals are worked out or anything. But yeah, no, definitely catching position is going to be important, but they've got a really solid lineup. When you have Kevin Kiermeyer as your nine, and then you can flip it over to guys like Lau and, and, and Meadows. I was saying it the other night on our show, uh, I would hate to go nine, one, two with this lineup. And yep. then, no, you have to get into the heart of it with Yandi Diaz, with Shisugo, and then, you know, Choi and, and everybody. I think they've just got a really solid lineup, and any one of them can get the base hit or the home run. They're all powerful. Yeah, I was watching some of the um, the in, in-game like practices they were doing on Twitter, and, and Hunter Renfro was just raking the ball out there. So if you have a lineup with, like, Yandy, Renfro, then Shisugo, then Choi, it's like yeah. – you almost have a, a power hitters murderers row there, which is yet to be determined yet because you know we haven't seen Susugo hit in the, in, in the majors before. You know we know what Choi can do, and then Renfro, who I I've been really high on Renfro a couple years ago when there was was talks about bringing him from San Diego over to the Rays a couple years ago. So I'm really mm-hmm. happy they got him in that trade. I, I want to go back to Stu Sternberg and and the stadium talks, especially the Montreal thing. Mark Tompkin came out with a, a an article yesterday where Stu was talking about you know they're still gung ho about the Montreal deal. Yeah. I just, I have my personal feelings about Stu. I, he's he's ran the club pretty well uh, from the from when they took over and uh, in, in, in back in the day. But like this whole stadium thing, the split season to me is still a joke. I, I still think it's a, a terrible idea. Um, do you think there could be a resolution where the Montreal deal gets scrapped and they could just focus in on the Hillsborough County Pinellas part and, and build a stadium for the Rays, or do you think they're really just gung ho on the Montreal deal? Well, the only I'll tell you why. If if I have to be the 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 one not not to say that I will side with Stu Sternberg, but if anything, COVID has taught us to value your your pennies because this is this is such an uncertainty. I mean, businesses that you would say were thriving in March, all of a sudden they're not thriving anymore, and some are closing their doors. I mean, I never thought I'd live to see a day where a Bed Bath and Beyond couldn't succeed, um, and yet here we are. So. Um, you know, but I think it just shows you that. Well, so why would you want to sustain a baseball season? I mean, maybe they get fans in there late August, early September. Maybe they don't. But let's be honest. I mean, there's been the joke has been made that Marlins and the Rays already social distance. That's been going on. <laughs> so, with the exception of the Astros series, with the exception of a few playoff series, I mean, we were still we were in August. The, the Rays were fighting for a playoff spot all the way through. And you were still drawing crowds of 6,000 in the middle of the week in the right. summer, which <clears throat> makes no sense. So I don't think the Montreal deal is that crazy because, and I really think, I wish we could have had fans from 1 through 60. You could have at least seen the high demand and put it up against, okay, we just have 30 home games. Do these fans really want this? And maybe the answer would have been yes. But when you're in a 162-game stretch, like we will be hopefully next year, I don't think fans are going to come flocking back to the Rays. 
even if they win. Now, if they win the World Series, that's a different matter. If they get really far in the playoffs, maybe. Only problem is, is you've got to go from late October and keep that momentum going until not just early March, but really late March to get yourself to a season. And we know the Rays aren't going to have big-time press conferences to sign the Garrett Coles. They're not going to bring in the big-time guys. Uh, I think when Charlie Morton signed, they had a. They, I remember it was a conference call late at night. It wasn't really anything special. Like, you know, the Yankees do it right. The Red Sox do it right. You know, I wish the Rays were a little more flashy like that. Instead of having a stupid press conference about Montreal at the Dolly in St. Pete, maybe actually, you know, put your money into – you know, having some bigger press conferences and some more players, but yeah, that was a clown show when I saw that happen. On, on you the also news. get some salary cap money when you do go to Montreal because that's two markets, that's two teams that r- rolled into one. So you need more money, you need more for the players, and you need to make it enticing for them to want to live in two areas. So I'm not totally against it, um, but what the hell do I know? I I don't know where I'll be in ten years, so who cares? Yeah, I, I just I, I just look at the plan is they're eventually going to leave. And I, there's a locked on Rays is one of the podcasts on fanstreamsports.com with us was that brought up the the question of what if the Rays moved to Nashville, which Nashville is is another one of those small market teams where they can maybe thrive. I mean, if the Montreal plan doesn't work out, let's just say it does happen. Like they they do the split season where they go they stay down here in Tampa, then they go to Montreal for the second half. What if that doesn't work out? Did, will the Rays ultimately just up, up and leave, or they will they say, you know what, we're going to spend all of our hundred percent of our time in Montreal. Uh, that's that's a great question. I think the Nashville idea is one that's interesting. Um, I know Orlando, which I don't believe will ever happen, but you know, or why not? I mean, Orlando, Nashville, Portland, I know has a beautiful concept for a stadium. Um, so there are options, and I think others are going to be a heck of a lot more gung ho about trying to figure out a way to keep the raise. You know, one thing about politicians and county commissioners and board members is they want their legacy to be, oh, I kept the raise or no, I didn't let the raise steal money from us. So, you know, it's going to be up to a few people. It's not going to be up to you or me, which is unfortunate because the fans are who should decide. But unfortunately, the fans have decided up to this point that they really don't care for uh, 81 games. They don't care. So uh, Nashville, I think, would be would be fun. Portland would be fun. Um, you know, Montreal, I think, is begging for a team. But again, that didn't really work out. So, you know, we'll see. I think these next few years are going to be very telling. Um, you know, I, listen, I think everything's on the table, especially with COVID. Um, you and me both probably would have loved to be sitting here right now talking about, you know, whatever game number, whatever. I mean, going into an all-star <laughs> break right now, talking about how the Rays got snubbed yep. out of an, out of probably five all-star people, but we're not. So I think the next year and a half financially, we'll see what happens. We're talking to Chris Torello from <clears throat> Spectrum Sports 360. Chris, uh, early, early bird prediction for the, for MLB and the Rays. What do you think the Rays are going to do? Uh, I mean, you know, I, 60 games, it's hard to really – I'll give them I'll give them 38 wins, 40 wins, something like that. You know, that should be enough. Playoffs? To get into the play. Oh, yeah. I, I think they're one of the best teams in baseball. I think it's just a matter of, you know, you got to play, you know, really good teams. And, you know, you got to play the Yankees, the Red Sox. You got to play the Braves. You got to play the – good news is you don't have to really play the Nationals that much. I thought this was going to be a little tougher. But, yeah, end with the Phillies at, at the Trop. So we'll see where they are at the end of the season. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I think as long as people stay healthy, knock on wood, and you know, this COVID situation gets under control, um, yeah, I think if, if, if everything's level, you know, they're, they're going to be as good as anyone in baseball, and I think they will find themselves into the playoffs. If Glasnow's healthy, if Snell's healthy, and Morton's dealing, that's the best one, two, three punch in baseball, in my opinion. I don't care what Garrett Cole does. He can't go out there five straight days. Uh, that's a good point, Chris. Um, just bringing it back to uh, you know, the Montreal and everything that's going on on the business side of the Rays, what is your prediction of um, you know 10 years from now? I know we're not future tellers or fortune tellers, but what do you think ultimately will happen? What's the best business move and what's the best baseball move? Uh, for them to for them to to find a way out, for them to go somewhere else, for them to at least part-time. I don't I, I just I, I just don't think it's sustainable every single day to think you can bring the trap. Now, here's what I'll say. I'm gonna tell you right now, Hillsborough County is going to have its say and Hillsborough County is going to try and find 400, 500 million dollars. I honestly would look at Stu Sternberg and say, hey, you have 150 million you're willing to put up. We'll put up another 150 million and we'll build you the nicest 300 million dollar open air stadium you ever saw in your life. And and I would just stick it somewhere in Ebor or somewhere else and say, here's a beautiful ballpark. Go play in it. You know, and not really care about a roof, even though you would love a roof. And, you know, if it was all about just, you know, mar late March until basically early June, you know, hey, listen, fans up in, you know, New England and all over, they get hot, disgusting weather. Every I mean, I'm from Connecticut. Every time I go home, I always try to get to Fenway or, you know, to, you know, Yankee Stadium. Or if I have no self-respect that week, I'll go to City Field and, you know, and we'll sit down. But you're sweating. You're sweating. And that's how everyone else is doing it. But, you know, for some reason – I've never understood why 72 degrees, perfect conditions, never worked for this city. Why it's never worked for yeah, for people. So, but I mean, listen, I, you don't know what you you don't know what you got till it's gone. And uh, so, uh, I think they're I think we're gonna find that out. Yeah, that's the sad part about it too. Is 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 you know once they're gone, and I think people are already have that mindset of where. Oh, the Rays are—they're just going to be leaving anytime soon because of this whole Montreal deal. And it's sad because I—I've been a fan since '98. I've been going since '98, and it's just uh -huh. like see the evolution of the team till to now, where okay, we may have a split season. It kind of it it kind of turns me off about wanting to watch them going further because I don't want to share my team with somebody else. I don't want—it's uh -huh. like sharing my wife with somebody else. I don't want to do that. That's messed up. I don't want to do that at all. So. Um, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping the play doesn't go through. I hope they, they come to maybe a, a final decision on, I'm keeping this team here hundred percent and then going from there, but I, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. So, all right. So Chris, I, I thank you for coming on the show. You can Chris, uh, check, uh, check out Chris on Chris uh, on spectrum sports, three sixty on Bay news nine. Hope you enjoy your weekend in Disney. Stay safe out there, wear your masks and uh, Chris, we'll see you soon. All right. Thanks guys. Take care. Yeah. I don't, I don't know, man. What do what do you think, Tony? About, about what? About what? About what? The 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 rep or the where the stadium's gonna be? Yeah. So I okay. So I I was able to be invited to um. They had a panel a couple of years ago at Tropicana Field. They invited people that you know bought flex packs or, or season tickets to go up to these panels, and I was I was invited to one of these panels. And they were. This is when <clears throat> before the idea of the Ebor thing. This is the way before the whole split season of Montreal. They were coming up with ideas of where you should put the stadium. And one of my ideas was you could put it at 
the fairgrounds where you have not only the I-4 traffic that you're getting from Orlando and Lakeland, but you also have the Tampa traffic too, which is coming from I-75 and also the 275 traffic as well. And the, the, the fairgrounds has so much space and so much room and you're right next to the casino. So think about the money that you're not going to only bring in for the games, but then afterwards for Hard Rock Casino as well. That was one of my ideas and people just laughed laughed at me. I'm like, are you kidding me? That's a perfect spot for them. And then mm-hmm. the Ebor idea was a great one too. And then I even say, hey, keep it in St. Pete, move it down closer to the pier area. But it's just like Stu, Stu doesn't want to open up his checkbook. That's that's the thing. He doesn't want to open up his checkbook and, and pony up the money to to get something going because he I don't he does not think baseball and he said that baseball is not going to be sustainable in this area. So and, and coming from a kid who was born and raised here, going to baseball games with my uh, my papa for years and my father and my friends, you know, Tropicana Field actually holds like a special place in my heart because it. And seeing it last year against the Astros when it when people do come out when it is an important game and it, I think if you just have that aspect people are going to show up if you build it it will come right right and i do think like chris Terrell said you don't know what you have till it's gone and you really think people don't come to games now and you really think they're going to come to 100 degree weather and plus 100 110 degree heat index with straight humidity you might as well just build a beach and have that be your uh audience Hell no, I will not go to a baseball game in the summer in Florida. I won't do it. I'll stay in my house in nice 72 degrees in my AC and watch it or go to a bar. I'm not I'm not going to an open-air stadium, and nobody would because it would be so hot. Even going to, to Tampa Bay Buccaneers games in in the middle of October is still hot as balls in that stadium. So why would why would they want to put an open-air stadium for baseball in the middle of summer? That's, that's oh, asinine to me. Get a retractable roof or, or, or keep it in a dome. Yeah, not just that, but guess what? The water cycle, all right? right. It's going to rain. It rains all the time. So you're going to have constant rain delays if you have an open-air stadium in Florida, especially Tampa and, and St. Pete, the lightning capital of the world. And constant rainouts, too, because of, because of hurricane season. So, All right, let's bring in our, our next guest. He is the host of the Casuals MMA podcast, which you can find on FanStreamSports.com. Fight Island is this weekend. Mortal Kombat is at hand. So please welcome to the show, Ryan Davini. Ryan, what's going on, buddy? Thanks for coming on the show. Hey guys, happy Friday. How you guys doing? What's Pretty going good, on? Man. So I know you're jacked up about Fight Island. This is this yeah. is it's Mortal Kombat. Sang Song is gonna come out and say Mortal Kombat. I love I love this. I can't wait for this card to happen. So let's let's get right into it. Let's start off with the first uh, one of the first bouts is Amanda Ribas versus uh, Paige Van Zant. What are your thoughts on this first match with those two? Paige Van Zant's a very well-rounded fighter. Um, I'm going to be interested to see this because I think Amanda Rebus has shown that uh, flashes of her being potentially being a superstar at this division. Um, she's very well-rounded. Uh, she, she's been training judo, uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and Muay Thai since she was like 14 years old. So it's going to be interesting. Paige Van Zant, you know, she's flashed um, times of brilliance and her fight style and stuff like that. Um, she, again, she's very well-rounded, but she hasn't taken like that next step. I don't think, and I'm, I'm not sure like where her head's at. Uh, she seems to be more focused on her, um, social media pages, which to her point, like I was she, just about um, to say that <laughs> she makes more money doing that than she does fighting. So I don't blame her and her contract is up, uh, after this fight. So it'll be interesting to see where her head's at and how she comes in. Um, I think that this is probably mostly going to be a stand-up battle unless uh, Amanda Rebos is just getting too much of Paige Van Zandt. Then you're going to see Paige try and take her down. Um, and then we'll we'll get to see some of Amanda's uh, ground game there. What are you really looking forward to seeing in, in Fight Island? This has been like a, a really a unique idea for UFC to have 
you know, MMA on an island where it's it's almost like, you know, there's no not going to be any fans. It's just going to be the fighters on a beach fighting like they are in that scene of Mortal Kombat where it's it's all rules. What do you really, really what are you looking to hope for, uh, looking forward to seeing on Fight Island on, on Saturday? I want to see the beaches. I want to see the background. I want to see the cage outside. I I'm mean, guy, man. Yeah, I mean, I, that's that's what you're flashing us. Show it to us, man. Um, yeah. They're they're mostly going to be fighting inside. Like the center kind of resembles the apex center that we've seen them fighting. Um, but I definitely want to see the training clips and them out on the beach. Uh, even though I, I don't know how that's got to be super hot. I was looking at some of the forecasts. It's going to be like over a hundred degrees there. Some some of these. Want, uh, do you think they'll have tarps over the octagon to to maybe? Get you know, get some of that sunlight out of there because that I mean, with temperatures over 100 degrees, that's gonna mean that's gonna tire out a lot of fighters if they don't I have probably a good cardio. Fan, probably fan, like actual like plug-in fans too. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine how much your feet will burn on those mats too? Those things oh. are burn all day. They have to have something over those because again, like it, all the advertising about Fight Island, like I want to flash that stuff and show you know the, yeah. the octagon on the beach. It'd be awesome to have. There, there's a lot of other uh, combat sports, mostly over in the Far East, that do like uh, outdoors competitions. It'd be cool to see that. I doubt we'll see that with uh, the UFC, but um, I'm, I'm just excited to see see Fight Island go off. I think, again, I think the broadcast itself is going to resemble a lot of what we've seen the last like two months where we've seen them at the Apex Center because, again, that's a small consolidated like uh, arena stadium for them. So I think it's going to resemble that. But again, let's see, let's see some of those uh, training montages of them on the beach and stuff. All right, yeah, so we've got... You got, got Jessica Andrade versus Rose Yamanu, uh, Yama. God, I can't always say her last name wrong. Namayumas, uh, part two. Uh, thoughts on, on this second bout with these two uh, these two ladies? I, I think Rose is going to piece her up. Um, Love Rose, baby. Yeah, Ro- Rose is a smart fighter. We saw that in the first fight. I mean, she was putting it on Jessica. Jessica's very, like, it, when it comes to her striking, very straightforward. She's very Vanderlei Silva-esque, where she'll come straight forward. Um, she doesn't really take a lot of angles or anything, whereas Rose is the complete opposite. She's a precision striker. She's taller of the two, um, and she's going to hang around the outside and pop her. Um, if I was Jessica's coach in this one, I tell her, don't sit at range. You better be jumping in, closing that distance, and pressing her as much as possible because she clearly proves she's the stronger of the two physically when yep. she gets a hold of people. That's not the first time she's dumped a girl either, like picked her up over her head. So she's clearly the stronger of the two. Um, and it's going to be a tale of two different game plans to me. Again, Jessica's co- as Jessica's coach, you're not sitting on the outside again. That's not happening. She's taller. She's more precise. She was clearly faster um, in the striking. It was just when Jessica got her hands on her and dumped her, man, that was over. So, yeah, I, I would tell her to be pressing her against the cage, dirty box, and, and just beat her and wear her down. Peter Yan versus Jose Aldo. Uh, I know Peter Yan fought uh, Uriah Faber last December. Um, going into this fight, I mean, Aldo is is he he's he's the man. He's he's a legend in this in this in UFC. So where do you got uh, Peter Yan versus Jose Aldo? So Jose Aldo's the better technical fighter um, by far. Like if you just watch the two, um, Peter Yan just does the basics. But the thing is, he does the basics very well. His one two punches um, and all that. Uh, He's very straightforward, but he has some hard hands. He switches, um, so he goes southpaw, he goes right-handed, but he's better from his right. Uh, Jose Aldo has the head movement. He has the precision boxing, the counter-strike, and all this. Um, So it's going to be – to me, this is a very interesting matchup because if these guys were the same age, I'd be like Jose Aldo all day because he's the better fighter of the two, technically speaking. But just there's something about when you have a young, hungry guy 
coming up that's never tasted a belt and he's, you know, starving mm-hmm. for that big paycheck. There's just something yeah. about that sometimes. And it's going to be interesting. Yeah. And he, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. It's not about the, not about the, the, the dog in the fight. It's about the fight and the dog. Like yeah. I have, I have, I have Jan beating Aldo. I think, I know Aldo, everyone thinks he's like 40 years old, but I think he's only 29, right? <laughs> no, he's like 30. He's 33. But I will say to your point, though, the guy's been a champ since he was 23. So when you're fighting that that high level competition, your your meter goes down, you know, your health meter goes down a lot faster. I mean, you can have a guy that starts at 18 um, and a guy that starts at 29 and they could technically have kind of the same ish kind of lifespan because you you, you can only take so many hits in the sport. I think if you start 18, then you automatically age like 10 years when your first fight. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> what do they say? Like when you're what the presidents, like they, they age, uh, they age like 20 years. Yeah. You could, there's a, uh, there's something online where you can actually see the uh, progression of like gray and, and wrinkles they've gotten. It's pretty, pretty actually funny. So uh, I, this is the fight I I'm really excited to see is uh, Usman versus Masvidal. This is the fight that I think everybody's really clamoring to see is, and they, I saw an Instagram video where they basically missed each other by a second go, coming from out of the Masvidal was going into the elevator and Usman was coming out and they missed each other and they hate each other. Um, predictions on this fight that everybody's really looking to see. Um, if I'm going to be realistic because I'm, I'm a big Masvidal fan, Kamaru Usman's just going to press him against the cage. I and knew, it. Him, I knew yeah, you were going to say that. Tyrell William. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, because there's no point. Like, why would you stand on the outside and get peppered by by him? He has such great uh, Masvidal. That is has such great striking, especially from a distance. We've seen that again against Till, um, who's a who was a large welterweight and had to go up to middleweight. And then we saw that again against Nate Diaz, who's a guy that's usually pressuring people and putting them um, against the cage and backing them up. And he's and he fights long too. So why would Kamaru Usman do that? He's he's a great wrestler. He's a very strong dude. Um, these guys are probably going to look like they're in two different weight divisions, even though they're about the same height. Usman is just huge at, at, at welterweight, man. Um, so I, that's that's kind of how I foresee. It, to me, the whole thing here, the the game changer is going to be whether or not uh, Jorge can keep the distance. Like, is he able to shrug off his wrestling? Is he able to you know circle the cage? Is he allowed to get back out at distance and? Uh, Utilize his best tools, which is his uh, distance striking. Yeah, I was going to ask you what what should his his game uh, game plan be against Usman because you know we we all know he's a wrestler and then Usman's you know now what what should Masvidal's game plan be should it be should he maybe just switch it up and just go ground for pound I mean what should he do He is great on the ground um, he is great on the ground but that's not where he should be Usman's just too strong man yeah he need, <laughs> to Tony's uh, little physical reference there he needs to stand on the outside he needs to circle that cage he needs to take angles. Um, and he cannot go straight forward or straight back when Usman starts throwing some of those one-two combinations. Usman doesn't throw anything crazy in the stand-up game. He comes straight yeah. forward, straight yeah. in, straight out, kind of the same way I was talking about Jan. And Masvidal is street Jesus for a reason, and I think that's what he needs to do. He needs to be a street fight. You're on six days rest. They're dropping 20 pounds in less than a week. I think that's going to have a toll on you. Like Ryan said, can you go the distance? I just, I just think Usman's too good. Uh, to not beat Masvidal, but I do think Masvidal will get an immediate rematch. But bring in, I have a question for you, Ryan. Um, who do you think would have been a better matchup for Usman to give, or more of a challenge, uh, Gilbert Burns or Masvidal on six days rest or six days notice? Well, definitely Burns. And the reason I say that is because when you have guys that 
our training partners, they know each other. They train with each other. They know the tricks. They know the timing. They know your favorite moves. They know your best combinations. They know you. So that's hard to fight somebody. That's why when you go fight at your own camp, it's good to fight guys that know you because if you, because it's kind of the saying is, is if you can beat guys that know your game plan, then you're going to beat somebody that doesn't know your game plan. Right. Because you can, you can outsmart them, outthink them. Um, and, and that's kind of what my thought, that's why I still want to see, those two fight eventually is because they were such close training partners um, and, and see how that turns out. But uh, I, d- I definitely think Burns is probably the more um, he, he probably brings a, a bigger challenge, but give Masvidal a full fight camp. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Yeah. No, no bias though. Right, Ryan? No bias. No bias. <laughs> no bias. He's, he's, Another question for you. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, where does Colby Covington stand in the welterweight division as of right now? With that broken jaw, he so rightfully deserved and got. <laughs> um, hey, he was he he could have won that fight with the broken jaw. Yeah, he was. You know where he was doing his best, and this is why I think Masvidal has a decent shot. Is uh, when he was throwing combinations, when he was throwing more than one two one two, and he was throwing in hooks. He's moving a little bit. That's when he was landing on Usman. And that's what he needs to continue, you know, and that's going to be kind of the key to victory for uh, Jorge Masvidal on this one. Um, I don't know. It's it's hard to say where, where Colby goes um, because he's he's right there. He had an extremely close fight with Usman. So uh, I think that he fights another top contender um, and, and kind of sits around that belt waiting for another opportunity at a shot. Ryan, will we see Khabib ever fight again? His dad, you know, not too long ago passed away because of COVID-19. Do you think Khabib's going to hang it up or do you think he's going to come back sometime next year to fight? He'll definitely fight. Um, I mean, they haven't even so far as said that he's not going to fight this year. So I don't know if that's actually going to happen because, you know, he was obviously very close to his dad. That's his coach um, and his and his main cornerman. But uh, I think he'll definitely come back and fight. Just kind of put a stamp on his career. I, I don't. I definitely don't think he has that many more fights in front of him. But one here's, a, here's a cool question: Who comes out and fights first out of retirement, John Jones or Conor McGregor? Jones. Yeah, I have to say Jones, only because Conor's just so, so tough um, to get him to sign on the dotted line. <clears throat> so much money. So much but money. I, I think at this point too, Conor's just kind of his his screws have kind of been off the rails for a while now where I think he's just a dog and pony show. He's almost like the the opposite of, of Floyd Mayweather. He can talk a big game, but when it comes down to it, it's it's you know, he's not gonna show out. He's not coming back anytime soon. I mean, he, yeah. Not. And I mean the other thing too is you just want him to show up to have the fun fights, right? Like yeah. the Donald Peroni fights and stuff like that. Do, I mean like I, I said this before, do you really ever want him to be a champ again? He fights in the UFC once yes. every other year. I mean yes, I, I do. I'm at to the point where I want to see Connor come back and then get knocked out. That's what that's where I'm at right now. Because I was no, a fan, I was a fan of him, a fan of his before, and then just kind of his his trajectory of kind of turning into an a hole is kind of like made me want to see him get knocked out. That's what I want to see Connor come back for is get knocked well, out. You you got to think though when he was going against Khabib, he was on his proper twelve whiskey binge. Since then, he's hired like what Ryan quote me here a million dollar trainer, right? He saw what LeBron James and everybody was doing, and he wanted to get his body right. And that's I mean you kind of saw it against Donald Cerrone. Yeah, okay, Donald Cerrone's not in the same tier as Connor McGregor. But that's just he wants to go welterweight, right? He want or he wants to because he's done with lightweight, he's done with featherweight. He wants to be in the welterweight. Or I heard rumors about him maybe jumping up to middleweight. There's no way. I know There's it, no way. He, he was trash talking with uh, or not even actually that's not true. He wasn't trash talking. Him and Anderson Silva actually agreed on Twitter to fight. That would have yeah. been a hell of a fun. That would have been fun. That's exactly that would have been, been a catchweight, right? 
Um, I don't know. He Connor's willing to go. I will say that's one of the things I like about Connor is he's willing to go to another place. Like when he lost to Nate Diaz at 170 pounds, he didn't say, okay, well, we're going to redo this at 155 pounds. He said, nope, I want to beat this guy at the division that I lost to him in 170. So we're going to fight there. I could say, I could foresee him going up because then he doesn't have to weight cut. He doesn't have to worry about um, losing energy and that energy being sapped from him by doing that, you know, heavyweight cut before he fights a legend in Anderson Silva. Plus, when's the when's a better time to fight Anderson Silva except for now when he's forty years old and he's like, he's old as dirt and then like you can knock him out because you can you can you can win him. You can make sure he's running around and he'll get winning pretty early. I would love to see this is where I want Connor to go. I would love to see Connor do bare knuckle fights in Ireland and like where they set up like a ring inside of like a bar there in Ireland and just have him do bare knuckle fights. That would be, that's the Connor I want to see after like a few pints of Guinness and some, some JMO, then put, put Connor in the ring and, and an Irish bar at bare knuckle fights all day. Ooh, he won't be drinking no JMO. That's a <laughs> Yeah. Well, we are, we already know what happens when he goes into bars in Ireland. So, and that's what I want to see. <laughs> Like that scene in Rambo where they go in, they they take their fists, they dunk them in like nails and pieces of glass. That's what I want to see uh, Connor do. So I just want to see him fight like you know entertaining fights, like just be just be open weight division and fight anybody that goes from featherweight up to welterweight um, that that challenges you and you want to just have fun. Like that's kind of where I'm at with Connor. Here's 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 a fight I can see maybe happening. It'd be a chair. It'd be a charitable charitable fight. You got Mike Tyson now. Mike Tyson slim and trim at fifty versus Connor. That would be scary as shit. I still. I, have you seen his boxing videos? It's, it's yeah, too, it's, it's scary. Too it's scary. It's, it's too big. He's, he's bigger than Connor. Way too yeah. big. Well, if, if we're gonna do open weights, why not? Yeah, you're, I, putting, you're putting a two hundred pound, well rounded Tyson, no matter if he's fifty or not, against like a, a natural one fifty fiver. You know what I mean? Connor's become a wrestler real fast. Dude, this yeah, right. Tyson's weight training now where he's – and my mother opens, closes the door in my studio where, – where Mike Tyson's at 50 and he's got faster hands than most like 20-year-olds is scary enough. I would – yeah. It, 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 it was – I would when I looked at that video, I almost pissed myself it was that scary. It's that and his footwork is incredible still. Yeah. Even for his age, even when he's showing he, – like you see him all the time backstage with the UFC fighters because he loves MMA – so he's with the UFC fighters all the time, and you watch his footwork and the way he, t- he shows these guys how to cut angles. It's incredible, man. That guy is in incredible shape still. Wasn't, it, he, wasn't he like kind of giving tips to Francis Naganu for a little bit? Yeah. 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 Francis Naganu needed any other tools to knock people out in the heavyweight division. <laughs> that, that, that dude's a machine. <laughs> he's going to be the heavyweight champ once uh, Miochik retires, which I think Miochik's probably going to retire after this next fight. And I think Naganu's going to. He's going to run that division. We are talking to Ryan DeVinney from the Casuals MMA podcast. UFC 251 is tomorrow night. Fight Island is going to happen. Ryan, thanks for coming on the show. I'm going to be tuning in. I know you're going to be live. Are you going to be live streaming tomorrow night during the during the match or no? No, I've tried to do that once or twice. Um, you know, with mixed results, so I'm not sure. See, if I'm gonna that's why that. you have to set up Twitter, and then that way you can tweet during the matches. I got my Twitter. You yelled. You got at your Twitter? Me. Yeah, I got my Twitter up. I got just myself following. Uh, my dog disagrees with me, but well, real quick, Ryan, before you go, we didn't talk about it, but Volkanovski, Holloway, who do you have? Um, I have Holloway in the second one. Uh, you do? I, I think I have Volk. Volk, I say it for me. I can never say it. Volkanovski. Thank you. I think he dominated the first one. There's nothing that should be different this time. Uh, uh, Max should keep his distance this time. He won on leg kicks alone. That's how he scored all of his points. 
Uh, Volkanovski did the same thing against Jose Aldo, so that's why I don't see him changing that style. It's He beat the two best featherweights in the world back-to-back in Jose Aldo and Max Holloway with the leg kicks. I don't see him changing. Um, so this is going to be all on Max. Granted, Max said he had kind of a rough training camp. Um, he did most of his training over Zoom. So we'll see how, and he hasn't really sparred. I think he said he sparred like maybe once or twice for this fight camp, but he's just a baller, man. Those Hawaiians are crazy. So, Brian, before we get you out of here, where can we find you at now? I mean, now we can find you on Twitter. Where we can, where can we find you on Twitter? <laughs> yeah, pretty much uh, any, any of the social media pages at the casuals MMA. Um, and you can download our podcast on Apple podcasts, uh, iHeartMedia, Spotify, and of course, fanstreamsports.com. Awesome. Well, this has been a great episode. Thank you to our guest, Chris Torello from Spectrum Sports 360, Ryan Davini from the Casuals MMA podcast. Hope everybody has a great Friday and a good weekend. For myself, El Bushman, intern Tony, and Nick, who was briefly on here, but he has to take care of his kid because he's, he's at his mother-in-law's house. It's been another edition of Sports Caffeine. Make sure to stream us live on fanstreamsports.com. Also, download the app where you can listen to all the great podcasts on there, not only ours, but also the Casuals MMA podcast. Also, we can stream on Spotify, iTunes, and iHeartRadio. We'll see you next week. It is Sports Caffeine, live in the mornings.